This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Jeff Halley, Oanda senior market analyst for Asia Pacific. Good morning from London, Jeff. Good afternoon from Jakarta. Wonderful to be here. So far, we've seen a very dramatic start to the week. Asian stock markets have fallen sharply as soaring prices in the United States trigger fears the Federal Reserve will take tougher action to rein in inflation. Is that the main reason we're seeing these lows today? Yeah, I mean, we saw equity markets on Friday get absolutely pasted along with um, a huge sell-off in, in the FX currency space with a US dollar rally. And we also saw a meltdown in the crypto space, which started on Friday, but has extended over the weekend and into Monday today. That inflation number came out quite a lot higher than expected. Uh, the headline, while the core remains steady at 6%, uh, it all points towards uh, more entrenched inflation, uh, which means more extended tightening by the Fed over a longer period of time. The rate's higher for longer, not good for asset prices, and, and down we go. Uh, over the weekend, uh, we saw mass testing uh, for COVID-19 in Beijing and in Shanghai, and nerves are, are rising again in Asia that uh, China may have to lock down one or both of those uh, major cities uh, because of their COVID zero policy. And as we have alluded to before, uh, the virus only has to get lucky once, whereas China has to get lucky 100% of the time. No other countries managed to do that with COVID-19. Uh, and so I think this is a risk factor that uh, investors need to start um, factoring in a, a, a lot more. We could see repeated lockdowns, but yes, yeah, certainly across Asia today, we've seen Cryptos move lower. Uh, US futures have continued selling off very heavily today as well. NASDAQ's down over well over 2% now. Uh, and that's fed through in totality to Asian equity weakness. And you mentioned cryptos, Bitcoin plunging to its lowest level in around about 18 months, uh, something like 20% down. Uh, is that mainly due to the uh, inflation data from Friday? And also, I note that uh, other cryptocurrencies have plummeted even further than Bitcoin. Yeah, I think uh, the, the US inflation data, now the markets had been quite naively pricing in that inflation was going to start topping out. What they haven't bothered uh, considering is that even if inflation tops out, it may stay very elevated for an extended period of time, which would have the same net effect as we saw on Friday anyway. But I think that inflation data and the moves we saw higher in US yields, the higher US dollar, that flight to safety, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. So um, cryptos started hitting south quite badly on Friday. As we know, they trade over the weekend and it got uglier then. It's been some real fallout in some of the other uh, cryptos, but the one that's catching my eye is Ethereum. It's down, I just did the calculations today, since Friday it's down about 30%, while Bitcoin's down around 20%. So it could well be that the uh, some of these asset price bubbles that we saw seriously develop over the pandemic with the quantitative easing policies of uh, particularly the Federal Reserve, but others around the world, we're starting to see that bubble being pricked. It's almost like we're hitting a perfect storm at the moment, uh, Jeff, with uh, so many factors coming from all sides. Yeah, look, that's exactly what I labelled my um, 
commentary today that I send out most days uh, to the around the world. I, I labelled it Black Monday, and that's uh, really what it uh, it um, it seems like at the moment. It's uh, like a sell everything uh, sell off, I suppose, if you want to describe it like that. But yeah, a perfect storm. I think it's a long overdue realization uh, by financial markets. Um, that the era of free asset price gains is over. And, you know, we're in an environment now for the first time uh, since, well, the late 90s, where we have high inflation, we have tight labour markets, we have tight capacity, we have an, uh, an energy shock um, complicated by the, by the Ukraine conflict, and we have high asset prices. Uh, there's not a lot of room there for the central banks to do what they've done for the last 22 years, uh, which is cut interest rates uh, back to almost zero to keep the whole party going. We're in, uh, well, effectively back to the future. We're, we're in untrodden waters. Uh, looking at the currency market, the US dollar has, I see, strengthened to 135 Japanese yen for the first time in over two decades. And that is significant as well. Yeah, look, funnily enough, actually, the dollar-yen was perhaps the most stable currency pair on Friday, and I believe the reason that it closed pretty much unchanged at around 134.40 was because we were seeing yen repatriation uh, by Japanese investors as a, as a safety play, offsetting that buying of dollar flow. So net-net result was a nil or draw, but it's risen uh, again this morning. It, it got up to nearly 135, as you said. Well, touched 135. It's just come back a little bit now. I think we are going to see more yen repatriation flows, perhaps taking the edge off that... Um, taking the edge off that off that dollar yen rally but certainly uh, with the bank of japan quite vehemently saying that they're not going to change the ultra low monetary policy settings uh, and, but the federal reserve clearly going to have to tighten a lot more and a lot quickly that interest rate differential will continue uh, pushing uh, dollar yen higher i think the only risk factor to that is that we have the bank of japan with a policy meeting on Friday. And if they were to go against all their recent rhetoric and start tinkering uh, with that 10-year uh, JGB rate corridor, i.e. lifting the top of it from 0.25 to a, a bit higher, we could see a, a corrective uh, fall in dollar-yen. But otherwise, I'm struggling to find any reason to be bearish for it. Jeff, you're in the Asia-Pacific region. What some of us here on this side of the Atlantic might wonder about is with China starting to reimpose COVID-19 restrictions just weeks after major easing in key cities, over here, we, we have no restrictions whatsoever, and it's gone that way in the United States as well, really. Why, why does China have to reimpose those restrictions when you consider that over here in the UK and in the US, the numbers have been much, much worse, but we're just carrying on as normal. Well, there'd be a couple of uh, reasons for that. One of them will be that the Chinese government won't want to lose face by saying that they were wrong and that they need to learn to live with it. But I think actually there's some other underlying issues here. Much of Asia has had a real challenge getting old people to get vaccinated. That is including developing Asia, developed Asia like Singapore and Japan. Uh, and also in China, they're having a lot of issues uh, about vaccinate, getting old people to get vaccinated. Now, we know that older people are the more vulnerable to uh, COVID-19. Health services are quite rudimentary when you get outside of the big cities, rurally especially. Uh, and it would be an easy extrapolation to see the health system getting overwhelmed by 
hundreds of millions of uh, older people who hadn't been vaccinated suddenly getting sick. And I think this is one of the reasons that is driving this COVID uh, zero policy, apart from stubbornness. Uh, of course, the problem is, as other COVID zero countries, such as Australia and New Zealand have found, is that you have to be lucky 100% of the time keeping the virus out, but the virus only has to get lucky once. And this is what I think we're starting to see in China. It's going to pop up again. So the risks are rising yet again that under that policy, they're going to have to lock down big chunks of the country once again. That will torpedo Chinese growth, bad for Asian markets generally. And it's another headwind that we're experiencing along with rising US rates. Jeff, it's been a fairly dramatic few weeks for markets across the world. What lies ahead in the next few days or so? What should we look out for? Yeah, well, the, uh, the the week doesn't get any quieter, I'm afraid. I mean, the whole market spent the time chasing its tail last week, waiting for US inflation uh, on Friday. And we've got a packed data week this week. Uh, the key event will be the Federal Open Market Committee uh, policy decision. We were expecting the Federal Reserve to hike uh, by 50 basis points. That's already baked into the market. Some are now talking 75 basis points. You know, I think the, the key here will be the uh, Jerome Powell's uh, press conference afterwards and the statement that follows the meeting. And I think it'll be one of the most closely monitored one uh, th this year, to be honest. It'll be really quite a pivotal uh, rate decision and meeting this time. Uh, obviously, markets will be on edge for the, the Fed pivoting to an even more hawkish stance. But it's not just the Fed we've got this week. As I mentioned, we've got the Bank of Japan on Friday. We have the Swiss National Bank this week as well on Thursday, although I don't think that they will uh, move on their negative interest rate policy. But we also have the Bank of England on Thursday as well, and uh, markets are pricing in a quarter of a percent hike there. I think it's very unlikely they'll go a half a percent because the Bank of England have already signaled that there's only so much they can do about the inflation that you're seeing in the economy at the moment, because frankly, it's completely out of their control. It's not consumption driven, it's supply side driven. And they would also be concerned that higher uh, rate rises could stall any potential uh, growth ahead and create uh, worse stagflation. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I, I think Britain itself is probably facing a, uh, a long summer and winter of, of discontent anyway with the rising um, living costs and, and, and stagnant wages. And I, I think there's a lot of challenges ahead in, in that respect, despite the fact that actually employment remains quite robust in the UK, as it does in many parts of the world. Most of us aren't feeling like we're any richer now, are we? So um, I think those challenges, and I applaud the Bank of England for their honesty, to be honest. There's only so much that monetary policy can achieve when the inflation itself is mostly supply side, whether it's a war in the Ukraine, whether it's uh, an oil squeeze, whether it's rising food prices overseas, uh, or supply chain blockages and linkages, etc. You know, raising interest rates isn't going to change that dynamic. And when do you think inflation is expected to peak here in the UK? It's a tough question, actually. I, I think it'll only start peaking in the UK when it starts peaking in Europe and uh, and, and in the United States. And we're not really seeing any signs of that occurring. And I, I believe that this Ukraine conflict has sent a stagflationary uh, wave around the world and we're yet to see the full impact of that through either energy or food prices. So as far as I'm concerned, I think 
uh, inflation will be a major theme for all of uh, 2022. It's just not going to magically uh, go away because the underlying drivers are much more structural. Final question for you, Jeff. Uh, cryptos are plummeting. Good time to buy? <laughs> I think I just answered the question there, didn't I? Yeah. Look, people who have listened to this podcast for a while will know that I've always expressed a, a little bit of scepticism about the crypto space. I've regarded it as a tradable asset, but not an investable asset. I think the crypto space represents one of the worst excesses of the quantitative easing policies of central banks that caused um, asset price inflation across all sorts of asset classes, but no more so uh, than the crypto space. And I believe that we are on the verge of a, of, a, of a potential reckoning in that space right now. And perhaps potentially uh, many people are going to find that yeah, it's not really quite worth what they thought it was uh, going forward. But we'll have to wait and see. I've been proved wrong before when it's been on its knees. Let's see if uh, the hodlers come out to play this time. Okay. Thanks very much, Jeff. Have a great week. And to you. Take care. This is the Oanda Podcast.